Welcome back to the Property Management Show. Today, Ray Hespin from Property Meld is joining us again to give an update on an episode that he recorded with us back in April 2020. Now, in that episode, he predicted that property managers will see an influx of ghost maintenance issues or ghost maintenance requests throughout the remainder of 2020 and possibly even carrying over to 2021. Now, the question is, did his prediction come true? We had such an engaged and informative conversation with Ray that we've decided to split this podcast into two parts. Part one, we'll dive into Ray's predictions and were they correct? And part two, we're going to talk about navigating the ongoing rise of maintenance costs and how to retain worried owners. The Property Management Show is brought to you by Four and Half Marketing Agency, which creates and implements owner lead generating plans for property management companies. Visit fourandhalf.com to learn more. That's F O U R A N D H A L F.com. Before we dive into the podcast, have you heard about Four and a Half Sale for Scale? For a limited time only, you can get our best-selling scale marketing package with no setup fee and at a discounted monthly rate. Our scale package includes a website, blogs, reputation management, and more. Get the discount by signing up before May 31st at fourandhalf.com slash pricing. That's F-O-U-R-A-N-D-H-A-L-F dot com slash pricing. And now on to the show. Ray, thank you for being back here. I can't believe it's been it's been a year since we last had you on the podcast. What it's, a year it's yeah, been. Two, yeah, it, I, I don't even know. The years just breeze by just like any other year. So yeah. you know, nothing unique or different about 2020 for sure. No, absolutely not. Um, yeah, for sure. But what we talked about last time was this idea, and I, we loved the term you coined, I guess, ghost maintenance, where there's this idea that all of these tenants are going to be at home because of the pandemic. Nobody's going to want maintenance technicians or vendors to come into their property. So there is this like hypothesis um, that, or theory, whatever it is, I'm no scientist, that um, there's going to be all of these maintenance requests that don't get fulfilled, causing some you know type of pileup later on in 2020. So we kind of wanted to start off the conversation um, trying to understand like, did that happen? How did how did that kind of play out? Yeah, I think one of the really interesting things, so when we first kind of to take it back for those who didn't watch the original podcast um, yet, the, <laughs> uh, the, the thing that we were basically seeing, you know, that correlated really well, and I think Marie, you shared a story about how you didn't want anybody in your home to fix something. You had a couple of things. But we were actually looking at the data and pulling the data and we're sitting there going like, there's a huge drop off in like service request volume. Property managements, uh, you know, rejoice, <laughs> you know. Uh, <clears throat> but the problem is uh, we both know that they don't go away. And when you do have things happen on the home, it's just really thinking about how much is just not being submitted. So we did some really interesting studies. So the big thing is we want to educate our customers on, you know, there's a backlog coming and just to be ready for it. This is not just resume business as usual. Um, you're going to have May, June, July, your summer months, but there is a huge volume sitting back. So we saw a significant reduction um, in maintenance request volume. And so what we kind of did was tracked what is the hypothetical volume 
of service issues per thousand units that somebody's sitting back waiting. And um, that's basically what we were tracking, um, you know, throughout 2020. And it was super interesting because, you know, you make plenty of hypotheses, but rarely do they turn out, so, <laughs> I'm going to say so well, but so uh, accurate that, uh, that we actually um, saw exactly that happen. So um, I think it was in March, we really saw this huge drop off. Um, April basically was at a, a standstill. May people started to open some things up for probably your more critical type repairs. And then um, June, it was, um, there was a, a pretty large backlog and, but it was actually starting to have this, uh, you know, where more was being completed than generated, which told us that, um, you know, the, the more was being completed versus how much should have been generated. Mm -hmm. So that told us that we were starting to chew through that. And so, yeah, I think the, the big things is we followed throughout the rest of the year, um, you know, the, what we think to be that backlog really, I'm not going to say it was completely knocked out, but data kind of sh supports and shows that um, probably around October is when we started to see an equilibrium kind of hang around there to where you weren't seeing this mm -hmm. weird influx, but we're still seeing um, more maintenance issues generated. So we're, we're thinking there could be some work at home correlation there. So. Yeah. Which is crazy. Just going back to the, it, it resolving itself mostly in October. That's totally what you said last time. So it's like <laughs> the power of data is just crazy oh. being able to make those assumptions. Yeah. So there was a, you know, and when we started, I think we started tracking it in April, um, pretty close to when we started talking. Um, we just only had a little bit of data to go off of, but you know, what we kept hearing from our customers and from the industry was like, what was happening? They were they were finding safety protocols and stuff for technicians to get into the units, um, for vendors to get in the units. And once we started seeing people like take those actions, it's like we knew uh, probably the residents would feel comfortable because they're starting to see people and uh, they're seeing it being done safely. So it's mm -hmm. yeah, it was it was fun to watch. So you mentioned Ray that. Um, there were safety protocols that property management companies started implementing for their vendors and technicians. What other changes did you see property managers making to kind of address the issue of like dealing with a backlog? You know, so we actually saw uh, plenty of, uh, of our customers actually soliciting for them. Like, so the, the concept is um, trying to make them comfortable to submit it, but that doesn't mean they have to be done. We just want to know what they are. And the reason you want to do that is because when things do open up, we want to be able to prioritize accordingly. If we don't know they're there, um, could take you months. So that's what we've seen a lot of our customers starting to do was actually starting to solicit for them. Be like, hey, if you're not comfortable, it's totally fine. We just need them. Because I think the initial thing was, uh, at least, and you know, candidly, we even advised for this is when things first happened, it was like quit submitting maintenance issues until mm -hmm. we figure things out. And then it was like, wait, submit them. We need to know about them. We're just not going to do them yet. And then once everybody's comfortable and we have the right protocols in place, then we're going to execute on going through that that list, uh, you know, uh, tactfully. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting. I love the idea of soliciting too, even, even like pre-pandemic, because I feel like you always have those kind of pockets of tenants that don't want to be bothersome. So having like kind of a push being like, hey, we want you to tell us if something's broken so we can fix it might like 
maybe even tapped into some of those people who wouldn't normally submit requests, right. do you think? You know, there's a huge balance, right? Uh, our, our customers are property managers. They service owners. Um, you don't want to like generate, you know, confrontation costs for your owner. <laughs> so so it, it's what is ultimately going to cause damage to the property. How do they preserve the property well yeah. and making sure that they're fixing the things that aren't going to cause other issues like, right. you know, say a, say a toilet's leaky, but it's not like leaking in the tank. It's slightly leaking on the ground. That could be thousands of dollars um, mm -hmm. to repair that. Whereas the replacement of that is a and get kind of technical here, but I'm pretty sure like a gasket ring on the inside. I don't know. It, it's cheap. Um, yeah. It's cheap to fix it. So those are the things that I think ultimately property managers to serve their clients and customers um, want to figure out and get. So that way right. it doesn't cost the owner's money. Small problems that can turn into big problems. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so um, are those things still in place now? So, you know, when we were talking about um, 2020 and what was unknown um, and all these kind of proactive things property managers were doing um, to kind of just deal with the maintenance backlog. Um, now that we're past that, working through that backlog, it's 2021, things are opening up, tenants are more open to having people in their homes. Um, do you feel like these changes kind of stayed in place where the you know vendors are still being careful they're still soliciting going on, so on and so forth. Yeah, I can only speak anecdotally. I think a lot of people are adhering to a lot of like the CDC guidelines um, and how to kind of like track along with that. Uh, but certainly as vaccinations and stuff are happening in the U.S. and we're having, you know, active cases, I think people are obviously changing their comfort levels. Um, mm -hmm. We probably see the thing that's stuck more, and this is completely anecdotal, so, you know, this, but the the concept of making sure that the resident is in like excellent communication with the maintenance provider because we're mm -hmm. still like that was one of the things that even in property management pre-pandemic it was like there's some property managers who still don't you know we're going to just enter the home we've got a built-in lease everything like that um that i don't think has gone away um a lot of the communication scheduling making sure that multiple parties are aware comfortable all that is something that probably will systematically stay um, as as post post pandemic i'll call it post pandemic fingers crossed yeah <laughs> fingers crossed there's no other wave and so um you know post pandemic um what's the state of maintenance now with property management you know there's there's a couple of really interesting things that we've seen really happen number one we're seeing a slight uptick that we're trying to understand if it's consistent with uh, the more working from home movement. Um, you know, obviously, if a resident's in a unit, uh, you're using the unit, you're using that many more door handle turns, towel rack holders, um, flushes, stuff, stuff, flushes mm -hmm. exactly. Um, we're seeing about uh, what is about 6% year over year. Is it statistically significant? Not sure, but something seems to be hanging on that says there's a little bit more than historical. That That's one interesting one. The second one that's actually really interesting, mildly terrifying, is actually invoice cost increases um, that we've actually seen go up and are hanging. And uh, that, that's been the bigger one that's obviously to our customers and their customers matter significantly is uh, maintenance costs on the, on the rental. And so how big of an increase 
is it? Is it statistically significant? It is. Because you look very worried. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's it's very statistically significant. So a couple of things here before I go into it. Like one of the things the owner leaves a property management firm is if the perception of maintenance costs are too high and they think that they can do it themselves cheaper. Mm -hmm. It's um, If you talk to any property management firm, the owner leaves them, I guarantee maintenance will pop up on the list once. And we're trying to figure out how to how to help that. But um, the number that I've heard thrown around from some different studies and stuff is if a maintenance cost of an owner on an annual basis exceeds 10% of the rent roll, the churn probability for that owner goes up significantly. And so you can imagine pre-pandemic prices are where they are, like owner churn is at a spot, now increase invoice cost by 18%, which that's currently about where it's at right now. Um, it's going to, it's going to create that many owners that are in that, that I perceptually can do it cheaper, right? They maybe mm-hmm. haven't been out in the market. They haven't got tried to get a plumber lately, a handyman. Um, and so they don't know the price that went up 18%. They think right. maybe the property manager is just, no. So that one is the significant, um, especially significant one. I think that, uh, is, is, concerning and worrisome a little bit. Mm-hmm. When did this trend start? Is it um, recent or has this been slowly going up and now it's 18% <clears throat> higher? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> it's a, no, it's so that's what actually, you know, is it a blip vor- yeah. versus is it systematic? I mean, mm-hmm. if you guys look I mean, one of the things that's super interesting that I've been following is like lumber prices are insane. They're like 300% right now. Mm-hmm. Um, of what they were uh, 12 months ago. And there's a whole, like, I could talk how interesting that is, but <laughs> cost-wise, supply chain, everything else is driving a lot of parts costs higher. Um, but mm-hmm. we saw it, like, so March was the first time we saw a spike in invoice costs. And I think what what most likely we're seeing there is vendors and technicians were saying they're going, we don't want to go into these homes. Well, if, we, if you pay me enough, I will. Yeah. Um, well then when April happens, you know, there's kind of this thing where the vendors, especially, you know, they've got their own business to run and if they're not getting any income, that's a problem. So we actually seen April hit pretty close in alignment with what, what we saw year over year. Um, but then as we went into, so April and May were pretty stagnant in line and then June through December have all been systematically higher. So uh, anywhere from about 15% to 22% on a monthly basis. Uh, we saw the invoices climb year over year. So around 18% is where it's hanging still. So it's significant for sure. And I feel like um, last time we spoke, you may have mentioned that part of that is because um, not as many vendors have been able to stay in business too. Has that impacted it as well? People not being able to keep their company open? You know, it's a good, it's a good question. Um, you know, it's tough to tell in our system because we have, you know, you know, thousands, I think we're probably, I think we've got around 22,000 vendors in our system right now, but that, yeah, that keeps growing. Right. But it's hard, Mm -hmm. it's hard for us to see insight into, um, like did somebody go out of business? Did somebody not, you know, versus separating, you know, the amount of people using our software is growing. So that's hard to see. But I think as uh, we've seen invoices, prices rise, I think it definitely points to a limit, uh, you know, a limit of these folks. And if two months, Mm -hmm. at least in our system, two to three months is where they were down and out. um, 
I would imagine that would have been rectified by December. Right. Um, jumping back into business or going and working for somebody else, really driving mm-hmm. that back to normalcy. So I, I think there has more to do with the parts uh, supply and mm-hmm. uh, some of the constraints of the supply chain of, of that sort of stuff than probably anything. Yeah. Do you think that this is something, do you think it's temporary or do you think that it's going to shift back or change? This is something, it's such a great question, Brittany. I think we should be, as an industry, very prepared for them to stay. There's a couple of reasons why I think that. Um, If anybody's been paying attention to the rental industry, it's nuts. Um, Try and buying rental units as an owner right now. It, you can't find anything. You got to do cash offers, uh, no inspections. Like it's starting it's to get crazy. crazy. There's so much institutional money pouring in to buy properties sight unseen. So the buyer's market's so heavy that a lot of people are actually doing build to rent at crazy rates. And so you think about it, build to rent, they need plumbers, they need electricians. Um, all this sort of stuff is happening. So unless trade schools just start magically popping out plumbers and electricians, um, which has always been a problem in the past, um, it's probably, we should be prepared for it to stay um, for a while. Yeah. And I think that the big thing, and Brittany, you didn't ask this question, so I apologize if I go off rails. I, <laughs> I think the, this, the significance of this though is really like, oh, interesting. Um, you know, uh, maybe if, we, if you do do third-party property management, it's like, well, I pass the cost off to the owner. But that data point that I kind of talked about, the whole churning mm-hmm. um, for, for maintenance costs as soon as they exceed 10% is a big deal. It, it lowers the threshold that property managers can execute and maintain the customer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's, a, that's, the big, that's the big thing. Do you think that property managers, sh- like, do you think that more property managers are going to try bringing maintenance in-house to try to make it more cost-effective or is that not realistic either? Absolutely. I, I think um, bringing a blended, a blended maintenance team is the lowest cost offering best profitability that a property management firm can do. Now there's constraints. You can't, Um, you can't bring internal technician teams on if you're too small, because you could have somebody that you're not able to deploy the entire time. It's not like you can say, I want magically, I want somebody who's a handyman, a certified licensed plumber, a licensed HVAC. And so you got to bring on somebody that can basically handle handyman work. That's step one. And smaller companies don't have that option. They just don't have the volume, right? If you're 200 units, um, you're probably generating somewhere around, uh, you know, 80 one, sorry. Yeah. 80 service issues a month. And so break that down into 20 working days. That's four service issues a day. And if there's a handyman, that can do it like two, one and a half, um, probably not going to be making any money, but Mm -hmm. to to your point, yes. Like we have to figure out ways of how to drive maintenance costs down for the owner, um, to the cost, the cost to deliver service, not the revenue. I want to be very clear about mm-hmm. that. Yeah. The cost to deliver service in order to make sure that they hang along with the owner. All right. That brings us to the end of part one for our update on maintenance during a crisis. In part two, we will take a closer look at how you can use education, communication, and preventative maintenance programs to keep your owners from jumping ship in the face of rising prices due to supply chain constraints. Now, 
how to do that? Make sure you're subscribed to our newsletter and our channel so you do not miss part two.